Well, good morning, Edinburgh. It's good to be here with you. Don't look at me like I got leprosy up here or something, okay? <laughs> uh, as many of you know, I did uh, test positive for COVID two weeks ago. Uh, you know, for me, it's, uh, it was basically like getting, it was like getting the flu, I guess. Um, one unique thing about it, however, is I did lose my taste and smell, so that still hasn't come back, so maybe I would ask for your, <laughs> your prayers uh, with that, but uh, I am doing much better, feel uh, much better. Danielle and my kids, uh, they all tested uh, negative, so um, they've, they've, been, they've been healthy and strong. In fact, pray for my wife, because she had to put up with me for these last two weeks in quarantine. Uh, I think she had it harder than, than I did. But we just kept telling ourselves, this too will pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it will, it will pass. And so here we are, and i got to be honest, I am really excited to be back with you um, today. I also want to say, because this week we celebrated Veterans Day, uh, for those of you who served in, in the military or those of you who actively serve uh, today, uh, let me just say thank you. Uh, you know, with... with Everything going on politically and the political turmoil in our culture today, let's don't forget we still live in a great country. Yeah, we can applaud that. We live in a great country. And so all of you who made a sacrifice to help enable us uh, to, to have the, the God-given freedoms uh, that, that we have and to protect those freedoms, I want to say thank you for your sacrifice. Today we're kicking off a series uh, called Always Prepared. And um, this series is going to have to do with, with God equipping us so that we are ready, so that we are prepared for the opportunities that might come our way in life, uh, and also able to handle the challenges that come our way in life. It's just true that when we are prepared, we can be less anxious, we don't have to be as afraid, and we can live lives with more confidence because we are equipped, as James says, we can be mature, uh, complete, lacking nothing. And that's what God wants for us. He gives us his word to help us be prepared. When we're prepared, we're better able to enjoy life. Uh, I remember uh, many years ago, this was like 15 years ago now, some friends wanted uh, Danielle and I to go with them to Valley Fair, you know, the, the amusement park. And Danielle and I hadn't been to a, an amusement park in, I don't know, uh, since we were little kids. Um, but we said, sure, we would go. So we went, and, and our friends wanted to go on, like, those spinny rides. And so right away, we got on one of those rides. We got dizzy. We were a couple rides into this thing. After Steel Venom, we were, like, visibly sick. It didn't help that I had, like, been eating Skittles. I was just, like, woofing down Skittles that day, uh, just eating all the Skittles I could. Uh, but after three rides, Danielle and I were out. We were like, we can't do this. We were sick. In fact, uh, I got sick, and let's just say it was the most colorful projectile. Um, you could taste the rainbow, all right? I'll just say that. Um, it, it, was, it was bad. I, I was done for the rest of the day. So was Danielle. And we asked our friends, we said, like, how are you still going on the rides? Because they were having a blast. They were having the time of their life. And they said, well, we took Dramamine before we came. It's a theme park, duh. You're going to get sick if you go on the spinny rides. We took Dramamine. We didn't take Dramamine. In other words, they came prepared. And guess what? They had a great time. They had a blast. Meanwhile, Danielle and I were sick for literally days after that. That's, that's true in life. 
Those of us who are prepared, those of us who are equipped and, and able to handle the opportunities and challenges that come our way, we're going to be able to enjoy the adventure that God has called each one of us to. And so over the next several weeks, we will be looking at topics like being prepared to share our faith, being prepared for the storms that come our way, and some other topics as well. But this morning, we're start, starting with this topic, prepared for Christ's return. I can't think of another t- topic that, that would be better to kick off this series than being prepared for Jesus' return. And I want to start by just asking you this question. If Jesus were to return today, would you be more embarrassed to stand before him? Or would you be proud to stand before him? Which one would, would it be? Would you be proud because of what you would have to offer him? Or would you be more embarrassed to stand before Christ? Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 that one day he will return. Right now he's in heaven, but one day he will return. In fact, Matthew 24, 44, he says this to his disciples. That's to us, his followers. He says, so you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Notice that. It's going to be a surprise when Jesus comes back. Many people think, like, he's going he's to tell us, I'm coming back, or we're going to just know. And that's not what Jesus says. Elsewhere, he says, I'm coming like a thief in the night. A thief does not let you know when they are coming. So what Jesus is warning us about here, it's going to be a surprise when I come. It's going to be when you least expect it. Are you ready? And then in Matthew 25, Jesus is going to go on to tell a series of parables that teach us how to get ready for his return. How to make sure we're properly prepared for that day when he comes back. Because, friends, i got to tell you, nobody knows the exact time when he'll come back. But it could be today. I don't see why not. It could be any moment. And so we're going to look at what was traditionally known as the uh, parable of the talents. The, the translation we're going to look at in the NIV is not going to call it talents. It's going to call it bags of gold, this idea of money. Uh, but we're going to look at this parable. And as we look at this parable today, we're going to see it teaches us generally two lessons about being ready for Christ's return. So let's go ahead and jump in. Here's the first lesson you and I are supposed to learn from this parable. Is that while Christ is away, again in heaven... We have all been entrusted with something. You and I have all been entrusted with something. Look at verse 14. Jesus says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. Well, let me pause there for a second. Um, What Jesus is saying here, he's comparing this to what was pretty common in his day. This would be like a a wealthy Roman person would oftentimes uh, uh, maybe make a trip or a journey into Rome. Uh, Maybe it's to meet the new emperor. Maybe it's to lobby for power. And what that wealthy Roman would do would be uh, he would entrust his things to his servants. To carry on his business affairs, okay? So just to be clear, 
the, the master in this story, the wealthy Roman in the story, represents Jesus. And he's talking about the time from when he ascended into heaven to the time he came, comes back. Okay? It's the journey. You and I are the servants in this story. It says he has entrusted his wealth to them. That's to you and me. Okay? Followers of Christ. But then he goes on to say to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And, and then he went on his journey. Now, notice something here, because this can trip us up. Notice that different servants are given different degrees of giftedness and responsibility. And that can trip some of us up, because we wonder, you know, why does that Christian over there get to have that job, that career? I wish I had that career. And we compare ourselves. Or maybe it's, why does that Christian get to have that ministry? I mean, look at that ministry and look how effective it's being. Why does that Christian get that ministry? Or maybe one we can all better relate to is, why, why does that Christian get all that, you know, that money, that wealth? Why does that Christian have so much more money than I do? And if we're not careful, this can trip us up. But let me remind us of three things, okay? Because we're all tempted to compare ourselves. First, we need to be reminded that everything we have comes from God. Everything that we have comes from God. You and I are just the servants, according to Christ. Everything we have has been given from Christ. Okay? Secondly, we need to remember that where more is given, more is expected. Okay? This is a principle that, that Jesus teaches us. Uh, elsewhere. Everyone who has been given much, he says in Luke 12, 48, much will be demanded. So remember those people, you say, oh, they have so much more than I do. Well, more is going to be expected of them as well. And then third, we need to remember that he gives us what we can handle. He gives you what he knows you can handle. Because did you notice uh, what the text said? That Jesus said he gave each according to their abilities. Okay. And I've realized this about my own life. Like if, if I would have just lived this like comfortable life, like if I had just been born into a family and had always been wealthy and didn't have much struggles in my life, I'm just, can I just be brutally honest with you, church? I probably wouldn't be a follower of Christ today. If life had always gone my way, it's very possible I would not be a follower of Christ. For me, it's been the valleys and the storms, and the moments in my life recognizing that I had a deep need for a Savior that have drawn me to Jesus. Jesus knew in my life that if he would have given me too much, I would not be a follower of his today. And I bet that's true for some of us as well. If God had just poured onto you wealth, you probably wouldn't be sitting here in church today or watching online Today, you'd probably be off doing something else, living for yourself. The text here says he gives us what he knows we can handle. And so comparing ourselves to others is the wrong question. Why does that person have this? Why does that person have that? That's the wrong question. The right question is, what have I been entrusted with? What has God given me? And how can I be faithful with what he's entrusted to me? Because I actually believe this. I think there's evidence to, to, to believe that if God can trust us with what he's given us and we can be faithful with the little he gives us, he might give us more. 
He teaches that principle elsewhere, Luke 16.10. He says, uh, those who can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Okay? But the question is, what, what have I been given? And how can I be faithful today with, with, what, I, with what I have? Uh, I, I remember many years ago, somebody saying this to me. Uh, they said, you know, Pastor, um, you know, when we get rich someday and make it big, we, we want to give a million dollars to the church. Remember somebody saying that. Now, I didn't say this, but I wanted to say this. I wanted to say, no, you won't. Because if you won't give $100 to the church today, you're not going to part with a million dollars in the future. Now, I didn't say it, okay? But I wanted to. Because if we can't be faithful with the little bit he's given us today, what makes us think we're going to be faithful with more in the future? It's just, it goes against human nature. It's not true. So what has God given you? What has he entrusted with you today? Okay, and this brings us to the second lesson you and I are supposed to learn from this parable. First, we see that we've all been given something. We've all been entrusted with something. But the second lesson is... We are to invest what we've been given. You and I are to invest what we've been given. Let's read the rest of this parable, verse 16. It says, The man who had received five bags of gold, he went at once and he put his money to work and he gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But a man uh, who had received one bag went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them, talking about the day Jesus returns. The man who had received five bags of gold, he brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and he said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. At least I would have gotten something, Jesus is saying here, rather than nothing. So take the bag of gold from him and, and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And i got to be honest with you. I don't know what to do with this parable theologically. Because here you have someone who's seemingly a follower, a servant of Christ, and, and yet they're being thrown out of 
the kingdom. It doesn't fit, honestly, in, in my theological boxes. It, it just doesn't. But I think Jesus tells stories at the very least because he wants to haunt us sometimes. He, he wants these stories to be a warning to us. He wants to, us to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, are we being faithful with what he's entrusted to us? Because it's so easy in, in this world and it's, it, it, to lose sight of the mission and, and to forget the higher calling that you and I have been called to. You know, Jesus makes it very clear what our mission is supposed to be just before he ascended into heaven. In the book of Acts, we, we read this, Acts 1.8. He's talking to his disciples here, you and me. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I mean, it couldn't be more simple. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to empower you so that you can tell other people about me. That's it. That's the mission. You, you are to tell other people about me so that heaven becomes a little more crowded, so that eternity is a little more crowded because you told other people about me. It's the mission. And he does this primarily through his church. That means his people, you and me. We might have different roles. You and I might have different callings on our life, but we are all to be a part of fulfilling this mission. We fulfill it in different ways because of the way God's wired us. I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking of it, kind of think of it like, a, like an army or like the military who, who maybe has a mission, and their mission is simple. It's to win the war. Maybe it's more specific than that. Maybe they need to conquer a city so they can win the war. And you've got all kinds of people in that army who do different things. Some are, are air support. Some are infantry, and they're on the front lines charging into the city. You've got others, though, who are maybe the cooks because soldiers got to eat. You've got others who are doctors because men are going to get, you know, and, and soldiers are going to get hurt. And so you've got to have someone who can tend to the, to the men and women who are fighting. They all might have different roles, but they're all serving the same mission. And the church is just like that. We have different roles here, different things that you and I have been called to do, but we're all supposed to be about the same mission, telling other people about Jesus so that heaven grows because of our faithfulness with what God's given us to do. And yet, if, if we're honest, it's just, it's so easy to lose sight of what you and I have been called to. I was thinking this week, what are some reasons we, we, for, we forget and get off track? You know, I was, for some of us, it's, it's because, let's just be honest, it's, we're, we, we, it's what the Bible calls the love of money. Some of us, we're just, we're chasing after money. Maybe it's our career. And I've heard people over the years say, you know, once I get my career established, then I'll invest in the church. Or, you know, once we get our retirement plan in place, then we will give back to God's kingdom. And, and so we spend our lives chasing after money, but the Bible says do not love, be a lover of money. It says be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never, never leave you or, or forsake you. But we find ourselves sometimes getting caught up in that, don't we? 
and the worldliness of pursuing wealth. Uh, how about this one? Sometimes it's just, it's just busyness. You and I live in a busy culture, and we get busy, and especially when you have kids, it's just so easy to get caught up in your kids' activities, you know, sports and different things going on. And before you know it, you're not, you're not giving, you're not, you're not living for God's kingdom anymore. You're just trying to survive and get through the week. And I understand that. Our kids are, are in sports and are busy. If we're not careful, the busyness of life can pull us away from living out the higher calling we have been called to. And then how about this one? This one's a little more controversial, but let's be real. I mean, sometimes even politics can get in the way of us fulfilling our, our calling, right? And I'm all for, like, you know, supporting the candidate of your choice. And I, I, I'm not for cancel culture. I think we should be able to sit down with others and, and have meaningful, cordial conversations, even when we have differences. Um, but sometimes we get so obsessed with politics that we lose sight of what we're ultimately supposed to be about. In fact, I know some of us, some of us Christians, we actually start wanting to repel people who don't think like we do politically. In fact, I brought this. This is, this is my people repellent. And, and let's just be real for a second. Sometimes when people don't think like we do politically, they get sprayed. Oh, you're a Democrat. Probably wanting to raise my taxes. And we spray them. Or maybe you're a Republican and you're going to take my health insurance away and there's going to be people dying in the streets. You can just... And we find ourselves spraying people and repelling people. And I, listen, I want to make an argument. Maybe it's time to put the repellent down. Because do you remember what Jesus says when he's talking to his disciples? He says in John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples. How? How is the world going to know we are disciples of Christ? If you love one another. If you love one another, by seeing your unity, they're going to know, even with all your differences, they're going to know this is something other than of this world. And it is sad to me. As your pastor, i got to tell you, I know of families here right now who aren't talking to one another because of politics. And that breaks my heart. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's anything more that Satan wants than to see his church divided and to see us, because he knows that when we're divided, we can't work together to fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us. And so maybe it's time that we put the repellent down and maybe looked past our political differences so that we could be unified to fulfill the mission Christ has given us. You could maybe think about it this way. Think about it like if a foreign nation, like a foreign army came into the U.S., you know, we would be, um, we, would, we would put our differences aside and link arm in arm to fight back 
to protect our freedoms. And in the same way, before you and I are Republicans or before you and I are Democrats, can I remind us that you and I are followers of Jesus Christ and that that is our deeper allegiance? Because if we forget that, we will forget our higher calling, our deeper calling. And let me remind us too, at some point, friends, this world is going to fade away. And in heaven, we're not going to be talking politics. We're not going to be remembering maybe even who we voted for. We will be remembering how we treated one another. And did we fulfill the mission Christ gave us? And so this, this is the calling that you and I have. And there's so many things that can get in the way of it. And my hope today is just to call us back to being kingdom-minded people. Because Jesus says, seek first my kingdom. And then he says, everything else, I'll take care of it in your life. Do you believe that? So I want to end today. And I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to ask you three very basic questions. These are kind of self-assessment questions. And then I'll close this out. But here's the first question. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time? Is, is, is all of your time wrapped up in your career and vacations and leisure and hobbies and things like that? Or are you giving back to God's kingdom? Are, are you a part of maybe discipling somebody or working in the youth group or being with, working with our kids or, 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 or maybe going on a mission trip or sharing your faith with the neighbor? Okay, uh, uh, Is all of your time going into serving you, yourself and, and, and your purposes or are you giving back to God? Can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, when that day comes, then I will, then I will give back. But friends, you don't know. Jesus could come back today. Would you be ready, okay? <clears throat> so what are you doing with your time? Two, what are you doing with your treasures? What are you doing with your treasures? You spend all of your money and possessions on yourself. Uh, I heard somebody once say, show me your checkbook and I'll show you your faith. Okay, and I think that's a really true statement. It's like, where's your money? Jesus, he, he talked a lot about money and our possessions. In fact, 15% of Jesus' um, teaching 15% was about our money and our possessions. It was more, he talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. Okay, why? Because he knew this would trip us up. And a lot of people, they say, like, I'll be a Christian, I'll come to church, just don't talk about my money or my possessions. <clears throat> this is why Jesus knew he had to talk about this. Okay, is because it can get in the way of us investing what he's entrusted, entrusted to us. What am I doing with, with my treasures? Am I being faithful in that area of, of my life? Am I giving at least a fraction back as he asks me to for his kingdom purposes? Okay, and then how about this one? What about my talents? What are you doing with the talents? God has given us each abilities, gifting. What, what do you, you know, it, I watch those shows, like, if you have seen American Idol and some of those singing shows. Have you ever noticed how many of them, like, who sing, like, grew up in the church? You ever noticed that? How many of them, like, developed that ability to sing and, and had that opportunity to sing? And, how, and then many of them, they take that ability that God's given them, and they just want to use it for worldly purposes. In fact, very few who make it famous ever give back to the church 
even though that's where they got their start. But it's not just with singing. God has given us all abilities. Some of you are gifted leaders, and yet you only ever use it in the business world. You should be leading a small group right now or some other ministry because you are a gifted leader, and you should be giving back because God is the one who gifted you with that ability. You know, some of you, you're good with money, and you're good with, like, spreadsheets and things like that. We have a finance team, but you only ever use it for business. Do you ever give back? Maybe it is music for some of us. Some of you are just really good with people, and maybe God's given you the ability to evangelize and tell other people about Jesus. Are you ever using the gifting God's given you for his kingdom purposes? You see, friends, these are important questions for our lives. And I remember um, talking with Jim Nelson. Some of you know Jim Nelson. I'm going to embarrass him for a second here. I didn't get his permission to tell this. And I do this to Jim sometimes. Um, if you don't know, Jim is a servant around here. I don't think he would say I'm gifted in any specific area, or at least I know what it is. But he just, I just, he likes to serve. And when we have a hole that needs to be filled, Jim steps up and does it. Many of the rooms and hallways that you walk down and walk into, they have been painted by Jim. Uh, but I, was, I remember asking Jim one time, why do you do what you do? And I'll never forget what Jim said. He said, because one day, Jesus is going to hand me a crown. I'm going to stand before Jesus, and Jesus is going to hand me a crown. And he said, when he does that, I'm going to take that crown off. And I'm going to bow at the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to give him that crown and say, Jesus, I did all of this for you. And friends... That's it. That's the right attitude. That's the right heart. In fact, as I examined this parable this week, I saw that's the difference from the two who gave back from the one who didn't. The two who gave back, they loved their master. While the one didn't, it just says he was afraid. What about you? You love your Jesus? Do you, like, love him? enough to, to surrender your life, living for his kingdom and the higher calling he's called you to? I want to ask you again, if he were to return today and you had to stand before him, would you be more embarrassed to stand before him or would you be proud? Say, Jesus, I lived my life for you, not perfectly. I didn't have it all together. I didn't even always know what you wanted me to do, but I knew my life was yours. If maybe you don't know how to answer that question today and you're not so sure, here's the good news. If you still have life in you, he hasn't come back yet. <laughs> so there's still time. You still have time to say, God, I want to give you my life. Christ, I recognize I'm the servant. And you are my master and I want to do your bidding. But my hope for you as a pastor is that each and every one of us will stand before Christ and one day hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Let me pray for us. While you're bowing your heads, um, I know sometimes we can hear a message like this and, and I, I, I know it can be a little overwhelming uh, and maybe we're not so sure what to do or 
what that next step in, in our life is going to be because maybe you expected me to tell you exactly what that be. I can't tell you what that is. He says he gives different people different degrees of giftedness and responsibility. And so you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus yourself to figure out what that is for you and what's right for you and your family. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed and maybe I'm in that place where I'm just like, man, what, what, what do I do? Listen, here is the best medicine for that. Because what I don't want you to do is going out of here going, okay, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to white knuckle this Christian thing even more. The medicine, friends, is simply to rest in your Jesus this morning. Rest in him. Draw strength from him. Draw power from him this morning. Maybe even draw inspiration and direction from him this morning. Jesus said elsewhere, he said, abide in me and I will abide in you. But then he said this, apart from me, you can't do anything. You won't bear any fruit apart from me. And so this morning, I want to leave you with this. Just rest in your Christ. Draw strength from him. Fall in love with him all over again. The one who loves you more than you realize. The one who died on the cross so that your sin could be removed as far as the east is from the west. Fall in love with your Jesus again and find strength in his name. And Jesus, I'm just going to pray right now that you would reveal your goodness and your grace and your mercy and also your strength to each one of us so that we can be kingdom-minded people and that we would not squander our lives here in this world, but we would fulfill the higher calling you have called us to. Help us to do that, Jesus, we pray in your name.